So Dennis Prager here. I just want to remind you that because I travel so much, sometimes I have to pre-record a fireside chat and references to Otto will be from a fireside chat when Otto was living. So please understand that is the reason. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the fireside chat. I'm Dennis Prager. This is Otto. And we have no idea how long Otto will stay. So enjoy him while you can see him. Fireside chat is a chance for me to talk to you about what's on my mind and hopefully touch your mind and eventually your heart. But I admit that I appeal to the mind because that's a much more likely place to have good be achieved than just by feelings. Feelings are a problem. They are what make us human, and they're also a problem. But that's for another time, and certainly something I have addressed. I have a fun one, but it's very serious, aside from just being a fun one. What are my three favorite verbs? Now, I am well aware of the fact that most human beings do not walk around at any time and think, gee, what are my three favorite verbs? <laughs> uh, they might, of course, ask about their favorite foods, their favorite friends, their favorite movies, their favorite books. But favorite verbs is not a popular question. But I do think about that. And it's not that I first thought, what are my favorite verbs? It's that gradually I realized that three of them were very, very significant to my whole outlook on life. And I suggest them to you as well. By the way, the noises you are hearing, if you're only listening, are coming from Otto. We bribed him with a bone to stay in his bed. So I came to this not by ever asking one day, Dennis, what are your favorite verbs? These words became favorites. And then I realized, wow, there really are three words. They're verbs, though one of them I'll explain is not only a verb. It, it, it doesn't really even have a category uh, in English. But I realized these actually helped shape my life and my outlook to life. And that's the reason I'm bringing them to you. I hope that they shape your outlook in life. I don't have an order of importance. So I'll just begin with one, earn. Earn is a special term. It means that what you received, you worked for. You earned it. So, for example, in the United States or in any English-speaking country, you would have the question, so how much, do you, how much uh, do you earn in a year? Right? A perfectly normal question. Now, how would you say how much do you earn in a year in a Romance language? French, Spanish, Portuguese as examples. Their word for earn is I'll, I'll use uh, the, the French gagner, which means to win. Now, there may in fact be a technical term to earn, but it's not used to refer to what we refer to when we say, how much do you earn? And it's very interesting, the, the mental difference, the psychological difference between earn and win. Win is luck. 
earn is hard work. Very big difference, right? We don't say how much did you earn when you won the lottery. It's how much did you win when you won the lottery. You win a lottery, you earn an income. Uh, Not many languages have a commonly used word for the word earn. And I think it, it helps explain why historically Americans have worked harder because they thought they earned their income. They didn't win it. Okay, so that's number one. Oh, I might as well say, I think you should earn everything, <laughs> even love. I'm not, I, I, I've, have I talked about unconditional love? It's hard for me to believe I haven't. I'm sure I have. It's a bit of a can of worms every time. Because it's a bit people- of a can of people are really object. I understand that. And I'll just remind everybody that if you look at the Google chart, of when words were used, how often, you will note that unconditional love was virtually never used, ever, until the 1960s, and it skyrocketed. So for those of you who believe in it from a religious standpoint, how come religious people didn't use the term unconditional love prior to the 1950s or 60s? By the way, what is wrong about earning love? I believe that every day I want to earn my wife's love. The idea that my wife would have unconditional love for me strikes me as bizarre. You mean no matter how badly I might, God forbid, ever treat her, she's supposed to love me? What does that even mean? Is there unconditional love for a one-year-old? Yeah, there probably is. Because how can a one-year-old earn love? (laughs) It, it It doesn't work. I understand. But beginning at, a, at the age of self-consciousness, self-awareness, yes, it's worth earning love as well. Earning money, earning love, earning honor. What bothers us is when people are honored and we don't think they've earned it. That bothers people. That's the irony. I'll tell you one thing that's earned. Oh, no, that's, that's won and not earned to a very large extent is fame which I have talked about. I won't mention names, but you all you all can have names. And you'll ask yourself, gee, why are they famous? Did they earn it? No, they won it. Somehow or other, it, it, it worked out. They, they got famous. And what are they famous for? Being famous. So I am a big fan, and you should be too, of the word earn. It is a beautiful concept in love and in money and in every other thing that people aspire to. My next one, I am, this will sound funny when I say it, I am in love with the word like. By the way, this too is very rare. Most languages do not have a word for like. To use a language that I've learned and and know other than English, I like in French is il me plaît. I like it is il me play. It pleases me. It pleases me is not the same as I like it. Every, la- every language, I assume, has a word for love. I love it. I love you. I love my dog, right? But a verb just saying something that seems to be less than love, but is very positive, is like, and... Uh, let's see, I'm thinking, so the same thing in, in Russian. 
It pleases me. Isn't that interesting? Just the way the French would say it. Hebrew would have also a very similar thing. Hebrew does not have a word for like. Why do I love like? Because it's so incredibly important. And here's my most dramatic example. A lot of parents love their kid or kids, but don't like them. And I would argue that if you had to have one or the other, it's better to like your kids than to even love them. Ideally, it's both. Of course, it's great to love them and like them. Incidentally, if you like them, there's a good chance you'll end up loving them. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to think of people that I really like a lot, and I would say I don't have any love for them. It's very hard. But believe me, you can have the other. You can love some. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. Oh, I love them, but I don't really like them. Like is a terrific word and never, ever think it's like cheapened love. Oh, no, it's a big deal. And incidentally, it is usually earned. We usually earn the like of another Whereas we got the love sort of automatically by being born to a person, you are automatically, in most cases, just loved from the outset. So I, I love like, I would, I wish upon newlyweds, I, if I could give them one wish, it's that they always like each other. The happiest couples in the world know that love is sort of like the tide. It ebbs and flows, which is not a bad thing at all. If you're crazy in love every day of your life, there's something wrong. <laughs> it's not normal. It doesn't make sense. Now, there are times you should have that. That is a great thing for a marriage to have this overpowering sense of love. And it, and it certainly exists in most cases in the beginning. And by the way, that's a great test of how, how your marriage is. Do you like being with that person? If I ask couples, do you, do you love your husband? Do you love your wife? Almost always they'll say yes. I never ask that. I mean, I'm talking about when we have talks privately about a person's marriage, but I will ask, how much do you like being with them? That's a biggie. Now, I've been divorced, so I'm no, I'm no holier than anybody else. I, I know what a difficult marriage is like, and I know what a good marriage is like, and I'm in a good one. And I could tell you that one key component is that I like being with her pretty much all the time, which to, to a lot of people who will say they love their spouse, they would not say. I don't mean to upset anyone by saying this, and if it works, I'm all for it. I, I don't believe there's only one route to a good marriage. But I personally don't understand the concept of I need my space. It's an interesting topic unto itself about needing your space. I like being with Sue all the time. Now, by definition, we're not together all the time. But I like it. And that, that's a very good sign. Do you like being with someone or, or a friend of yours? So like is big. Do you like your children? That's big. And finally, a word that is extremely unpopular. 
should. Now, I looked it up. Should is not technically, well, it is technically a verb. It's only technically a verb. It's not a verb like other verbs. For example, if you say, I build a house, you can't say, I should a house. So, should needs another verb. Should is always followed by a verb. I should go, I should build, I should work, I should sleep. But it's not an adverb. An adverb is it modifies a verb uh, or an adjective. So, uh, speedily, any of the L-Y words in English are adverbs. This, this is not an adverb. It's not I shouldly. But I'm, I'm, it's, it, they have a term for it. I don't even remember what it was. It's a special type of verb. But should is my third choice. Now, let me tell you something that I think you'll find of interest. Those of you old enough to remember know how true this is. I remember when I was in college, and this was very common. People would say, never say should, or better, there are no shoulds in life. I remember, this is when I began, this is one of the triggers in me that told me I don't march to the beat of the drummer that most of my fellow citizens march to. (laughs) There are no shoulds in life? Are you out of your mind? Life is composed of shoulds. (laughs) It's There are more shoulds than wants. What you want to do and what you should do are usually in conflict. That's the way it works. I always give the example of I work out three times a week. I may not look it, but I do. And let me tell you something. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I I work out three times a week because I should. It's really it's really that simple. My life is conf- it's just it's filled with shoulds. I should visit this person in the hospital. Do I want to visit a hospital? I want to visit the hospital. I'd rather fast 24 hours than go to a hospital for one hour. <laughs> I, okay, it's nothing against hospitals. Hospitals have saved my life. I'm, I, I understand that. But I, I don't like going into them. But there are times when I visit because I should. You really, you meaning the world, has to ask themselves, how many things do I do just because I should, not because I want? Notice want was not on my list of three (laughs) most uh, favorite verbs. I I was speaking, I don't think I am betraying a confidence. And you guys will know Alan Estrin, who is a co-founder with me of PragerU and who, uh, along with Marissa, and others run run uh, day-to-day prayer you and he's he's a magnificent human being and he is ex- he's the most self-disciplined person that i have ever known well personally and he eats for example extremely healthfully in fact i i have had many many meals with him i've never seen him eat a dessert so i was actually talking to him about this and he, and he just said to me, Dennis, if I followed what I want, I would eat, I remember his word, a tub of ice cream. I would eat an entire German chocolate cake. Not a piece, the entire cake. 
Yeah, so uh, there's a man who follows shoulds, not wants. Wants are a, are a very big problem. You should be in touch with yourself and know what you want. But then you have to ask, what should I do? Should, earn, and like will transform your life. Okay, so now we're going to go to your video question of the week. Drum roll, please. Really quick question. So what would be the best advice you would give someone who is a Christian wanting to be a teacher in a public school? or in a school that has different beliefs than they do. What is the line and where is the line for Christian teachers? All right, I am going to answer your question. And your name is Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm hesitating because it's a very difficult question in the sense that whatever you decide will be painful. If you don't speak out, you will be pained by hearing all the ideas that are antithetical to everything you cherish. If you do speak out, you, you will be persecuted. You won't suffer the fate that Jesus suffered, but you will suffer a, a real fate, a painful fate. And I mean, just to take the, the big issue of our, of our moment, Judaism and Christianity, and remember they're the only two religions that share a Bible, what's called the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, they share a belief that God made the world male and female. God made human beings male and female. The notion that there are more than two sexes or genders, as they like to say, is biologically and theologically a lie. A lie is the strongest word I can use. And the thought that millions of young people and, and people of all ages are being lied to by teachers and by doctors and by psychologists and by media is a very scary thing to behold. There is only male and female. Even the irony is even the atheists more than anybody else should acknowledge this. Are there more than two sexes among the other primates? Are there more than two sexes among monkeys or apes or gorillas? Cows and bulls? I mean, you name the species, maybe in some extremely close to unicellular species, uh, there, there is no male or female, or at least we can't identify it. But from, I think, fish up, there are two sexes. This notion that you are what you feel, I thought, I was thinking recently, if that's the case, if biology doesn't determine who I am in these matters, why can't I identify as a black person? Why can't a black identify as a Hispanic? Why can't an Asian identify as a white? I'm very serious. This is not meant to be cute. Why is that fixed? And sex is not fixed. Sex is more biologically based than race. So if you said anything like I said as a teacher in a school, you would be, so to speak, crucified. 
So you have to answer, you have to answer your own question. How, how much are you prepared to stand up for what you believe and be, and be hurt for it? So my only advice to you is to learn how to say what you believe in as gentle and as brief and as, as rational a way as possible. You could say what matters to me about a person is their character, not their race. If we're talking about race, I don't care about race. I care about character and personality and passions and values. And with regard to male and female, that people may think that they are the opposite sex. I honor that fact. That's fine with me. You feel that way? Okay. But it doesn't mean that you are one. That's, that's just a fact. I wish you good luck. You are truly a Daniel entering a lion's den. Hi there. This is from Julie in Illinois. I am a mom of two girls, five and eight. We homeschool, and I have heard Dennis talk several times about Biotto. You were here for a while. We're all pleased. About the noticeable difference in homeschooled kids. We are blessed to be able to do this, and I love this precious time I have with them. We are also blessed as we live in a very homeschool-friendly state with few restrictions. I love the freedom, but at the same time, I want to ensure I'm covering the most important material with them. So my question, if you were homeschooling a child today, what topics would you ensure to cover? Thanks in advance. Okay, so I'm answering off the top of my head. The first thing that came to my mind, and it's, it doesn't mean it's the, it's the most important, but it's the first thing that came to my mind is history. If you don't know history, you don't know the present. Everyone should study history. How did we get here? It is an amazing thing to me that people don't study history as if the past doesn't matter. Remember, we're going to be the next generation's past. Did, did we matter? Did what happened in our time matter? Of course. So you must, you, they must learn history. How did things come to be? They must learn great literature, great art, great music. I did a fireside chat recently on what conservatives do. They conserve the best. It is the greatest gift every generation can give the next generation. We are going to give you the best that was ever written, ever composed, ever sculpted, ever drawn. That's the gift we have to give. So you have to give them the best of everything. They must read Shakespeare. They, they must see the great artists and, and listen to the great music. I wonder, I wonder what percentage of college kids in America can spell, forget identify, spell Beethoven. I would be surprised if it's more than 5%. This is a gift for us to give to, to the kids. Obviously, they have to learn some degree of math and science, and they must learn the Bible. 
That is the repository of wisdom that made the Western civilization possible. It's hard to teach the Bible, however, because not every verse is, is clear, even, even famous verses. And some verses are, are problematic. So yes, I will strongly advise that you get my rational Bible. Three of the first five volumes are already written, Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy. If your child is not old enough to understand it, then you read it and explain it. I, I, I make sure to write in as clear a manner as possible. But they must learn that. It doesn't matter if you're an atheist home or not. No Bible, no Western civilization. No Bible, no human rights as we know them. No Bible, no end of child sacrifice. Just to give a few examples. You give all these things, your child will be a better human being. Okay. Uh, Cassandra, 38, Sandy, Utah. Hello, Sir Dennis. Thank you for knighting me. Please elaborate on your thoughts about taking a vacation. Moments before I caught up on your most recent FSC, Fireside Chat, I was grappling with the fact that half of my daughter's schoolmates were missing school today to get an extra day of spring break vacation in. Please send my regards to everyone who makes FSC possible. Regards. Well, there are two separate questions. My thoughts on vacation and kids taking an extra day of vacation. So I'll just talk to you about vacation uh, as a general theme. My view of vacation is they're very important. However, I am of uh, the opinion, and I've done a lot of speaking and writing on happiness. I try to take a vacation every day. I don't work and work and work and work and work and then take a two-week vacation in the summer or whenever it would be. It's nice if you can take a two-week vacation. Absolutely is. Gives you perspective. It lets you truly chill out, as they say. But in order not to burn out, you should try to have a little vacation every day. Take time out to just do what is fun. What, what you would do as the opposite of work. It works for me. It may not work for everybody. I fully understand. But it's pretty obvious I don't suffer from burnout. And one of the reasons that I don't is that I make sure to take a vacation every day. By the way, I have a weekly vacation, which is my secret to my happiness and success, the Sabbath. I don't work a day a week independent of my vacation every day. That's a long time not to work. And I mean not work. I'm not giving speeches. I, uh, I am not. Uh, well, actually, I take that back. I do give a speech every Sabbath in my synagogue. I speak on the Bible or I speak on some religious subject. But I don't consider that work. It is work, but I don't consider it work. I don't do regular work. I don't read a newspaper. I don't, I don't follow the news. One day, one day a week, I tune out from the world and I'm just with friends or family. Try it. You have no idea how life-changing that is. So yeah, I'm a big believer in vacations, but not the way most people think of it. 
they work and work and work and then take off for two weeks. What's our state now? It is. You're at the end. Earn, like, and should. That's why it's worth watching these things or listening more than once. They're meant to give you a better life. Thanks so much. I'm Dennis Prager, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching this video. To keep PragerU videos free, please consider making a tax-deductible donation.